Help support the Hockey Hurts podcast by donating as little as $1 per month by visiting patreon.com slash hockey hurts. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for July 8th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. This week on the podcast, we will discuss two uh, big signings uh, at the top of the podcast. Not uh, free agency signings, but uh, the Jets and the Avalanche kept two of their more important restricted free agents. We will lead the show off with that. And since we haven't been on since July 1st, we'll talk about uh, some of the good and bad decisions that were made in the early stages of free agency. So without further ado, we are going to begin with uh, the first of those re-signings. And I think we'll start in Colorado. And Nate McKinnon signed a seven-year deal. He will have an annual AAV of $6.3 million. Uh, this may be one of the first good moves the Sharks have made, or Sharks, Avs, Avalanche have made <laughs> in quite some time. Um, yeah, there's not a lot you can you can argue against uh, against this deal, really. So, um, well done, Colorado, for, for getting something right. They seem to be the whipping boys of of a lot of podcasts and a lot of analysis on, on how they run their organization. So I think the big thing for me is not just the Nate McKinnon signing, but what happens to to Tyson Barry. If they can get both of those things sorted out, then thumbs up to them. But it's sort of a no-brainer, this one, I think. Don't you? Uh, for the team. Yes. I'm a little perplexed why McKinnon signed the deal. Because I think extremely high of him. I, I think he's a potential superstar. I think we haven't quite seen close to his ceiling yet because I, playing for Patrick Waugh, it's, it's problematic for that, in my opinion. So he's t- 20 years old, maybe, going to be 21 next year at some point. Normally, UFA age is, I think, 27, or it's after your first seven years. So at 25 years old, the Avalanche have bought at least two years of UFA years, at least by my uh, calculations that I have not gone into depth with. (laughs) (laughs) So um, 6.3 and the seven years is amazing for Colorado. It's such a great signing. But from McKinnon's standpoint, I don't know why he would sign it because one, do you really want to be in Colorado long-term, like super long-term? And two, yeah. why not just sign a bridge deal and bank on the next one? Um, that's a good question. Are there any... Are, are there any... Um, no trade movements or anything like that in this? Like how, how much control over his future has he got? Because, I mean, he's 20... That'll take you through to one, two, three, four, five, six. That'll take you through to twenty-seven, like you said, right? So, but I don't think twenty-seven's up... his UFA age because he's been playing since he was eighteen. I yeah, think it's so... either twenty-seven or you play seven, something, something like that. Yeah, but so he will be a UFA in seven years, right? The reality is that's what he'll be now. It's like he's just outside that Stamkos window for the traditional thought process of hitting your prime, which we're all working out now that for goal scoring, um, that's not the case. So 
and that's seven years down the track. So you make the assumption that uh, more NHL teams will be wiser to this fact that paying out big money at, at 27 and beyond is not the best way to go about keeping your roster together. So it's not like he's gone 6.3 for the next seven years. I can go and make 8 mil for the next five years after that. Oh, I think he could. So, Samkos just showed that. And the cap will hypothetically be up even past. Oh, who knows? With the, right? Who, I mean... Who, legit, legitimately here, this is a little bit of a smart-assy comment, but very serious... I would not trust the world economy at the moment to enable uh, any sporting team to just be able to put their cap up as it goes I don't goes think it's going to be lower. No, but if it doesn't rise, there's no more room to fit guys like him in for an $8 million cap hit. That's, that's, that's all true. I mean. I don't think that's true. Stam- <sighs> Stamkos just did it, and he took You're, a discount. Yeah, I, so yeah, so he took a discount to to stay at, at, at what is it eight? It's eight by eight point five, isn't it? Right. So he took a discount to stay there for that long. I you get there and you're then going to have Tampa Bay ask everybody else around him to take a pay cut. And I just don't think there's going to be enough. Well, that's a Tampa problem, but it my problem is on the McKinnon side of it. I think he left a lot of money on the table. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I fully agree. He might have gone the whole, we just talked about Stamkos taking a pay cut. Maybe he took a pay cut so someone like Tyson Barry can get signed. Yeah, well, that, sh- that should have been done already. I mean, I know. they're jerking I, him I around like the Senators are jerking Mike Hoffman around. Like the Canadians jerk P.K. Subban around. It's It's like you have a legitimate talent here. Just pay them. And figure the the secondary players out. You can always figure that part out. Well, that's the, that's supposed to be the easier part to figure out. Acquiring, you know, the top five percent of talent at their position is the hard part. The rest of it shouldn't be particularly difficult. But again, like you said at the top, Colorado is kind of a punching bag because they don't I mean, do a great job. No, but like you said, congrats to them for getting this done on a really team-friendly term and a team-friendly cap hit on a decent term. Like, seven years at 20, that's fine. Seven years at 28, that's when it's a problem. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you there. I'm just saying McKinnon could get the money, whether it was good or not for that team at the time. He's going to get money the, the next time through. Well, it, it, it's gonna. He can't have Patrick Wah can't be there for the entire seven years, really, can he? Like, at, at some point, he's gonna have to have a coach that understands the talent that he's got and and actually tries to expose it. That would be amazing if he's there in seven. Good coaches don't even last that long. No, no, no. Like Dan Bylsma, Pittsburgh, oh nine to fourteen, five years. You know, and it wasn't totally wrong that Pittsburgh moved on, but he was a he he was and is still a good coach. Uh, Joel Quinville, he was with uh, St. Louis and Colorado, if I'm correct. Correct. Scotty Bowman would always move around. So if Patrick was there in seven years, holy shit! Yeah, I know. Hey, it's it's one of those things though where he's a part of the management team, so. I just, I don't understand that. Don't Unless understand ownership that. changes, yeah. I can't see, like, ownership firing the, the two legends. 
Even though it probably no, be the prudent yeah. thing to do. No, I can't. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's an interesting little mix. It feels a little bit uh, oilless, if you know what I mean. Let's just bring in all these old champion players. They'll be able to save the franchise. Not only that, both franchises have really good players and have have done miserable filling out the back end. Yeah, 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 yeah. they're identical the, like almost. Like you said, it's the it's the other parts that they seem to be having issues looking at. Well, at least Colorado hasn't made their Taylor Hall trade yet. Yet. <laughs> not said that they haven't, they're not going to make it, it's yet. Even though the, the, question o- is who even though the O'Reilly who... one wasn't terrific either. That was pretty close, wasn't it, when you think about it? But you can survive that one a little bit, but Taylor Hall for a middle-pairing defenseman, yee. <laughs> so... Anything else to add on McKinnon? All I think I, uh, I just think he's a tremendous player, and I cannot wait until he's not coached by Patrick Waugh, and and they get good people around that team. Because yeah, I know what you mean. I but there's, he's great. There's that that whole that whole there's a lot of people on that roster full stop that situation that you go you'd expect more out of A B C D and E with a different coach. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens when it all rolls around, I suppose. So, moving to the different signing of today, and Winnipeg Jets coming strong. Great deal, I think, for both team and player. Uh, whereas I thought the McKinnon deal was a little one-sided for the team. Mark Shifley, eight years, $6.125 million. I don't think a lot of people realize how good of a player he is. No, I know, and it's once again it comes down to the fact that he's in Winnipeg. They don't draw a big T market outside of outside of Canada, probably outside of Winnipeg, in regards to regional coverage. Um, he's certainly someone that you you you, you should be if the game's on and it happens to be Winnipeg, sit down and watch him. He's good. So, I'm just trying to pull up some of his underlying numbers to give. Give the listeners some actual factual evidence to why he's he's pretty good. Um, but the Jets, they have a great three centers right now. An underrated three centers. Um, Shifley, Brian Little, and Perot just re-signed for about four and a half mil a year or so four for four years. Five. Okay, yeah. even better. Uh, I think four or five would have been fine for him. Another underrated player. So Mark Shifley, his goal scoring, assists, and points per 68 even strength are all at a first-line level. His shot generation's at a first-line level. And his overall possession is high-end second line. Um, that's great. Not a drain on possession. And produces offense at a first, tangible offense at a first-line rate. So six mil, that's pretty great in this league. It is. Um, is goaltending going to be the thing that kills that team again? Uh, their division more so. Because they've got no room to move in that division, have they? They've got they've got no flexibility for having a bad 10-game patch, have they? You know, I think, well, we'll get into Chicago a little bit later uh, when we talk UFA stuff, because they did make a pretty great uh, fortuitous 
UFA signing on their defense. I was um, going to say, you're going to talk about BC there? Yeah, I, the Campbell signing yeah. was very generous for them. But I do think they could fall, and the Jets could be a team to catch them. Because Patrick Laine, Laine? Damn, Laine. these fins. <laughs> Can't pronounce any of them. Yokinen, uh, there's one. Got Mata. I can do some. Solani, not not the ones that were drafted this year, apparently. <laughs> Was it Liney? It's Liney, I believe, Liney. yeah. I, he could play for them this year. So they've got some uh, Marco Dano from the uh, lad trade. They, they certainly There's... could have room to play him. If they get off their butts and sign Truba, that'll be good. Chival, it, it's really fun. Chival Day of copped a lot of flack for sitting on his hands a lot. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people were complaining they didn't do anything. If this, if this process doesn't, if they don't get it right, I don't know if he'll get another job because a lot of things are falling into place for him right now. So it's that whole timing thing. He needs to make sure he's got the older players, you know, going okay at the time that the young guys come through. So it's going to be a tough, tough go for him. The um, yeah, the the three centers there. I was surprised. I uh, when I kind of looked into the roster, you see a signing and you kind of look at how it all fits in. Uh, Jets are doing pretty good to have Truba, Bufflin, those three centers. Um, I don't they, mind Toby Enstrom either. He's getting a little bit older, but yeah, he's still. Um, I still view him in a very positive light. So they probably oh, just need to... Tr- how could I not mention... Blake Wheeler is super underrated. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is sort of what I mean. Like, that roster is really coming together. Now, they have that issue of, are they going to Dallas Stars themselves this year and have a goaltending tandem that's not quite up to snuff? Isn't that Hellebuck kid ready? Well, that's the thing. I don't know if he is. And any Winnipeg fans that are crazy enough to listen to this, let us know. Um... I don't really know whether he is ready to go or not. Like, you know, that Pavlik... Pavlik. It's all you can kind of say to, to, to any of that, really. Yeah, play him the least. Pretty much. So, I don't have much more to say about the, the Shafley deal other than I, I applaud like it on both sides. So. Yeah. Thank you for the five minutes, five to seven minutes of content that you gave us before the podcast began. That was very generous <laughs> on a Friday. So um, shall we move on to UFA? Let's do so. Where do you want to start, good or bad? Start with the bad because I don't like to end on a bad note. Fair enough. Uh, do you want me to start with what I think was maybe the worst Please do. David Backus. Boston. He fits, he fits the Boston. That's just such a um, a terrible contract. He's already, um, once again, kind of like Kessler in Anaheim, didn't have a bad season the year before the actual signing. But you just know where this is going. Yep. There's already been signs of offensive drop. There's already been um, a reduced role 
And I don't think Boston's a, a terrific landing spot. Like, they're really going to lean on him, and I don't think that's fair. Yeah, but for... It, it, he fits He fits everything that they want. Do you know what I mean? Like, you look at... You look at the players that have been shipped out under the new regime and the the players that are um, that are remaining. He, he fits exactly what they think they need. He's not a number one center. That the thing, the problem you have with this, well, they won't be asking they, him that. Well, they, they have at least Bergeron. Yeah, but the, the only issue I have with this is that you're going. Patrice Bergeron is a possession monster, right? What you're going to ask him to try and do now is produce line one points. They need points. They need to actually score goals. So that's my only concern with how much they've paid Bacchus in this is they're asking for line one production and line one possession out of their best, their best forward. Uh, I just think it's putting too much on one player. That's all. Five years starting yeah. now at six mil per he's 32 right now. So where are they going to find the room to fit other players around to fill out the roster so, like, Krejci and Bergeron aren't taking... Like, Krejci hasn't been able to stay healthy. Bacchus is, Bacchus is obviously the way... You said it in the last podcast. The, the way he plays, it's difficult to see him being able to play 70 games a year over the course of those five years. So where are they going to find the cap space to fill the holes for this roster. Well, Chara will be gone soon, at least at the, the seven mil cap hit, but they'll also be dealing with Chara not being Chara anymore, which has already slightly happened. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I don't it's know. Not a... Well, you know, I view Boston in the same light as Colorado and Vancouver. The thing, the thing, the thing here with with um, Colorado and, and Boston though is they do have pieces that you could cherry pick off. Vancouver have got nothing left, so you get there and, and, and look at some of the players on on this roster, and it's like you could like if they have a bad start to the year, they'll lose Brad Marchand at the deadline. Basically, that would be a godsend for them. That would be the prudent move. Not chasing yeah, well, eighth place and getting knocked out in the first round. If I were Brad Marchand, I'd be looking to move on. Well, that that's sort of my point. Like, if they have a bad start to the year... Yeah, but I, what if they don't? He should still be looking to move on. But Boston won't get nothing for him. It'll be the... Um, I don't want to say Steven Stamkos situation, because obviously that, that had a happy ending for Tampa Bay. Uh, Louis Erickson. Boston again. <laughs> yeah. Would you look at that? <laughs> um, yeah, to precisely the Louis Erickson situation where you have this solid asset that people would have paid a, a decent enough price for at the deadline, and you just hold them because you want to chase. They didn't even make the playoffs, right? Correct. Oh, my God. Uh, the same thing could happen next year, and that would be too pretty good wingers i think highly more highly of marshawn now just because um erickson's just a little bit older but erickson had a great year last year too didn't he almost hit 30 goals 
Yeah, Louis Erickson got back to the underrated Louis Erickson that was in in Dallas. Like, yeah, he can't he, help he, who he was traded for. No, 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 no. But he, 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 like the season that just went was the Louis Erickson. I think that Boston thought they were going to get every year, and it was nice to see him pitch that year in. Make the argument that it's a UFA year. That's why he did it. But um, nah, I don't, I don't he, buy that stuff. You know what I'm saying. But it's like if he if he is that over in in Vancouver, then you know Vancouver have certainly got a, a quality player. So um, that's a tough hole to fill. Full stop. Like you bring in David back as a completely different player to what Louis Erickson uh, was for the roster. So it's not like they've filled a hole with a similar player. Yeah, and they're fresh off Matt Bolesky, PDO in his way to the contract he got. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so sure, you know, off the top of my head, but I, I, I imagine his first Boston year was not what it, his last Anaheim year was. No, but I mean that's coattail riding as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. In 65 games, he had 22 goals. 80 games, he had 15 this year. So just, just when you look at when you look at teams like Boston, who external external view looks as though they don't really pay too much attention to the don't like using advanced stats as a word, but I will uh, paying attention to those things. Colorado certainly doesn't look like they are. Vancouver certainly doesn't look like they are. Um, are we going to see a a catastrophic fall from grace for these teams, or is it going to be a slow process because there are contracts that just can't be moved, if you know what I mean? I think some of them, and what makes them bad is that they're stuck in that middle ground. So you reckon it won't be a fall to the bottom? It'll be that they just hover in that middle section of the of the standings? Maybe not middle, maybe lower, but not intentionally low enough so basically between you're gonna miss out on the elite players of the draft unlike someone like buffalo who said fuck it we're going after mcdavid or eichel we're gonna guarantee one of those two and they did they didn't win the lottery and people made fun of them for that and i don't they only had a 20 percent chance but they did lock up eichel yeah, Dylan's the difference between Dylan Strom and Eichel's probably worth that tank. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And teams like, actually, the the Buffalo Sabers during the tail end of the Roy Vanek Pominville era, they were and Miller still being there playing relatively well, they would be in this awful eighth place. Just they were stuck in the middle ground for so long. And they were going nowhere, and it would just be like this fight for mediocrity. And you don't want to be there in professional sports. And I see Boston, Colorado, and Vancouver living there. Well, it's funny because I think Ottawa lives there as well. Uh, yes. Good, good one. And you you sit there though, and you look at it, and it's like, when's Carlson going to ask out? Well. When's the he's owner going to ask to sell out? Because he's so always so worried about the money. Like the only way Ottawa can go the the path of the the tank and then the rebuild is if 
is if the owner sells out. Because the owner will get there and go, we can't afford to, to not try to make the playoffs because fans won't show up and I need the money to make the like to make this thing work. So that's that's an ownership issue for, for that particular team as far as I can see it. So I wonder if even if they had a brilliant analytical team working with Ottawa, they wouldn't be able to do the moves they want to make anyway because the owner's like, no, well, we can't do this. We're going to be bad for X amount of years. Um, I think there were other similar signings, maybe not quite as bad, because obviously I said thought the Bacchus one was the worst of the bunch. I think Andrew yeah. Ladd's contract with um, the Islanders falls into this category, and I and I do think he's going to give the Islanders at least a couple of pretty really good seasons, but it's going to look bad on, on that trail end. Could they not have just ponied that up for a poso? Yeah, I, I I think that would have been good. I, you know, like they they know what they've got, they know how he fits in the roster, so there's that familiarity in regards to what he actually provides and brings. I, I don't see there being that much of a difference between Ladd and Oposo to warrant letting one guy walk and, and paying Lad what they're paying. I just I don't I don't understand that part of it. Yeah, I um, that's a great point. I totally agree with you because. Uh, Oposo still he's young, late twenties. Younger for starters. Yeah, uh, lads, thirty. And let's see, thirty one, two, three, four. They gave him seven years, so till thirty seven. I don't see that yeah, so, that style holding up. So where's the point in that when you already had a young version, maybe not quite as good, but uh, Oposo's no a fresh twenty eight. He got seven years as well, I believe. Did he? Uh, hang on. Six million. I'm just looking at it now. Seven-year length. Yeah, so that'll okay. take him through to 35. 35 better than 37, and it was a known commodity for them. That's that's For, for me, that's the thing that I don't understand, is that you know what you're getting with Okposa. He's in the system. He works. You know who he does and doesn't work with on the ice. You get Lad coming in and... and yeah, there's a good chance that it's going to work because it's he's he's a good he's a good hockey player. Right now, yes. But that's well, he's, that's paying he's, for past performance at its finest. That in the back of steel, and I would throw our there. No, all these players that are on my bad list all have similar traits. So we've talked extensively about Bacchus. We're talking about Andrew Ladd. We could say the same things about Milan Lucic. We could also say the same things about Troy Brower's contract with Calgary. You're paying like these middle six wingers that are gritty. A lot of money and a lot of term. And I think it's going to backfire. You know what? For, for me, it's the term. It's the term that's going to kill them. Um, and I, I haven't... I haven't really looked into the, the no-trade clauses in the contract, whether they're there, whether they're not, whether they're limited. Um, if they've gone and given these guys these deals um, for this length of time, in the last couple of years don't have restrictions on their trades, I'm probably a little more relaxed on it because there will always be a team trying to get to the cap floor. So if you as a general manager have the option of going, all right, so this guy's just 
cannot produce enough now for what we're paying him. Let's just ship him off somewhere else to a team that's got to get to the cap floor. Then it can be done. Um, but if they've got clauses in their contracts where the players have a say of where they go, that's when you start to run into trouble. Were there any other... I mean, I could go on and on about like the Lucic deal and how idiotic it is. Because we'll they, do it. they because felt like... Do it because we've not mentioned it and, and it needs to be mentioned because it just emphasizes the ridiculousness of the Taylor Hall trade. Yeah, they feel like, well, we can trade Taylor Hall and get significantly less value because, well, hey, you can look at the trade as we gave up Hall for Lucic and and Larson. And it's like, shut the fuck up. No, you can't. You can't, you can't do it that way. <laughs> That's idiotic. And it's like... Oilers, come on. When are you going to learn? Uh, and, and here's the tricky part. A lot of these guys that we're talking about right now are still good players right now. So bashing the contracts, it, it comes off as like, oh, we don't value the present at all. And no, that's not true. They, they, they will give uh, one or two good years of, of the contracts but you signed him for seven. So the big, actually, this is, and this is a really good point with the Oilers, right? Because you have a look at that core as a whole, their best years are in front of them, right? So you get there and you add Lucic to that. His best years are already past him. So you're getting diminishing returns of, of performance from Lucic over the seven next five years, years seven. as as the team is sliding into where they're going to be good. You're going to have this massive contract sitting on that roster, and you're going, we're playing him as a third line. This is not good. We we could be using that cap space for a different top six winger. Or like, worse, like, they just continue to play him in that role. Yeah, so you get you get what I'm saying. It's it's not like that situation where Pittsburgh traded um, Sutter for Benino and then used the cap space saved from not extending uh, Sutter to add Eric Fair for two years. Three. Oh, hang on, it was three years. But you see that the, the difference in the contract length and the amount of money that's been spent in that environment, they're not it's not the it's not the same it's not the same swap because you're not committing to to a player that's that's gonna well we think is going to fall apart at the tail end of his career. I mean you look at Dustin Brown, they're very similar players in regards to what Luchitz and Brown Callahan. bring on the ice and how they play. And you look at what happened to Dustin Brown. LA are killing themselves now. Hey, they got the best goalie on the planet for the next 11 years or whatever that famous tweet was. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the Oilers, I give them credit for trying to do things differently in regards to not just doing the same thing year, year, year. I just think they got it wrong. And, look, we could be wrong in three or four years' time, but – it's. It, I'm not impressed with the decisions they've made in regards to trying to fix their back end and fix the perception that they're soft. I don't think they've gone about it the right way. <clears throat> um, I think Franz Nielsen maybe could go into the bad category. Really? Pro- probably will. I, I, I. He's. He's also 32. I forget he's that old. He just doesn't feel that old. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, we're talking 32 old, and I'm 33. That, yeah, I guess I'm old. 
talk about these poor players. He's ancient. And I'm like, wait, I'm older than him. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, I'm going 37 next week, so I know how you feel. Um, yeah, he's 32. I was surprised to see the age there. Very good underrated player, but I think, um, again, the term is going to outlast his usefulness. So... And once again, though, he's got a no, he's got a modified note NTC in his contract at the tail end. So if Detroit need to get rid of his cap hit, then they need his permission. So no, well, they could as, buy him out. Like, I suppose so. The no movement clause, and I think the biggest misperception on how those work is a lot of media people say, "Oh, he's got a." Partial no trade, partial no movement clause. From my understanding with talking with a few people, there's no such thing as a partial no movement clause. It's either you have one or you don't. And the no movement is so you can't get put on waivers to go down to the AHL kind of deal. Yeah, the no, so it's the, the no trade is, yeah. is what your limits the destination of team. Yeah. Now, well, if somebody got, has a when they say somebody has a full no movement clause, I, I guess the understanding is they also have the the, the full no trade. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it's a semantics um, language thing, but there but is it's a important. difference. It's important with contracts. It's very very important with contracts. Semantics are often the things that make or break you at times. So yeah, I get why you bring that up. You know, and covering Pittsburgh, the the flurry no movement clause thing is. Um, a real thing and he doesn't have a partial one it's either he does or doesn't he does and that's why he's eligible um, to be an automatic protection so trade him yeah well good luck oh, so um i guess we'll we'll end on some good please do and and let's be honest unrestricted free agency is not how championships are built and that's why you know these bad contracts are, are really bad uh look at the current stanley cup champions and i believe the only two players that were ufas on pittsburgh not that they didn't play a role were matt cullen and eric fair yeah everyone else was a trade or internal but the real people that drove Pittsburgh's success were either drafted or, or traded for, and that's a big deal. You can't fix everything in July through free agency. Well, I think the problem you've got with, with free agency is players are out for their payday, and, and rightfully so. You don't begrudge them doing that. So as a general manager, it's really, really hard to get um, – great possession or great uh, actual production on the cheap or at good value. Like, it's really, really hard to do that. Like You can get every... middle-tier free agents, but the, the top-end ones, you're going to be paying a premium, as, yeah. you, as you should, because it, it's like you didn't pre-plan. So you, you got to, like, before you go on vacation, if you're driving somewhere, you know locally you can pick up cheap items and bring it. Like, say you can get cases of beer way cheaper at home, and you're like, In other words, you didn't don't plan ahead. You, you went there, though, and now you're going out to the to the bar every night. 
or, or going out to buy drinks and it's like oh this this is a lot more money and it's like well i guess i didn't plan accordingly or no, maybe that's a terrible analogy no 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 i i agree with it it is you do sit there with it and you, you do wonder whether general managers do get the go, let's just get to July one and we'll fix our problems or whether they understand this and, and they get pressure from their owners or it, it just, I don't know. Um, Does Stan Coast win as the, the best free agent signing or not? Cause you're no. a bit, you're a bit worried about his, his ability to push play. Um, I mean, he's great. I I do worry though. I mean, the goals have have since gone down since the broken leg thing. Yeah. His his contracts they um they're going to need to get smart with how they allocate the money. Kucher, like they have some serious guys coming up for for money contracts. Well, isn't Johnson and Kucherov coming up? I mean, they got Hedman locked down, so that was the big one for me that they had to have happen. When did Hedman happen? Jeez, I I did not catch that. You missed that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, he signed the it. Fuck, oh, am I doing? How long ago <laughs> was that? Uh, last week, sometime. Yeah. Oh, what what day last week? Oh, I don't know. Come on, dude. I'm was, working. You're on holiday. If it was Friday, I was at a, at a fish show out of town. So oh, maybe it was then. Was it July one? Because like I did my best to like keep track, but I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly not exactly sure. When Sorry, when I go to those shows, I'm cut off. Smart man. Yeah. Have one Sunday um, as well. So, yeah, so look, they've got they've got Hedman locked down, right? So that for me, that was 7. the most point eight. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was the most important one. So this is the thing: Stamkos has gone and, and taken what everyone considers a haircut. Hedman certainly has taken a haircut. So are they banking on the fact that Tyler Johnson, um, and Nemestikov, Palat, and Kucherov, and Pal- uh, they're all going to take Kucherov. haircuts? Kucherov is the one I want to see. If they get yeah. him between five and six, that's good. So I suppose that's the. I mean, that's the they thing. They got like, Mo Bishop. Plain and simple. Do they need to move him? Yeah, because they got that. No, other, no, no, I'm uh, thinking... they, they got that other goalie behind Vasilevsky. Yeah, no, that's no, in no, Syracuse. no. They, the they, one that they... played for. Uh... Oh, Christ, played great against Canada in the Olympics. Oh, not just... Yeah, okay, I know what you mean. You're talking about Kudzlefsis, or however you say it. It was for Latvia. Right? Yeah, because Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky should be their starter. And then it's got... They just Kist- gave him a $3.5 yeah. million. I and saw that. Kist- Somehow missed the Hedman one, but I saw that one. Yeah, what's going on? I, wow. Man, I've been mailing I mean, it in, I guess, because Pittsburgh... I haven't been paying attention as much because Pittsburgh's not making any moves, and it's like, oh, well, they're, whatever. They're not, stu- they're not stupid enough to make... To make they can't, they can't even if they were stupid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it it's one of those things with it. It's like um, t- Tampa, Tampa looking okay. Like if if 
if Eisenman can convince everybody else that Stamkos and Hedman took less to keep the team together, then they're going to be okay. But that Ryan Callahan contract really does stick out as a problem now. Well, it stuck out as a problem the day it was signed. No, I know. Look, you, you know, you, you know that. But the further along down the track you go, and the tighter and tighter you get against the cap, because your homegrown talent suddenly deserves to get paid. You've got Ryan Callahan, who you acquired in a trade, and you didn't have to sign to that fucking deal. Really starts to hurt. Oh, I hate criticizing local talent. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah, but you're not criticizing him as the player or what he does on the ice. It's it's what the team have decided to give him in compensation for doing that because it's they struggle to then fit other players under the cap. Oh, I know. Don't begrudge him. No, that's exactly right. So, wow, Hedman, good for him. <laughs> it's really floored you that I, I couldn't believe that. Hey, missed it. <sighs> You are allowed to miss things, you know, occasionally, right? Yeah. It's not what I hear. <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk about the one that you think's the best? Because I think I know who that's going to be. Um. Yeah, no, I, I know you're, you're... Are you alluding to Campbell? I am. Yeah, that's kind of a cheater one because he obviously really wants to go back to Chicago. What a what a great situation for Chicago to to get that that kind of talent with no term attached, really. Yeah, and at one point five, so it fits. <laughs> oh man, I mean, he could have got at least five for multiple years anywhere, really. This could be this could be a, an exaggeration, and he's older, but he, he his game has translated. Yeah, but this is the thing though; like it's only for one year. So for a team that I thought was really, really going to struggle this year, still might be, because of the division they are in. He really shores up that back four, like yeah, really, because I think he's better than Seabrook. Yes, I agree. And Chalmerson, really. Well, I, think I don't know. Sec- I... I think he's their second best defenseman. Well coin flip for me on him and Charles okay, fair enough but it just goes yeah. to show they just got a freebie they 1. did 1.5 mil yeah and they, they really did and I it's mean, like without him it's like yeah what but that's, are you guys gonna do here you gotta go out and pay somebody and it's like well guess what no we don't that's fantastic that they're able to construct with him in there that roster looks pretty solid I'm okay with that roster they were short of defensemen and they need you need a top four that can get the puck to your forwards, and this guy, this te- this team is loaded up front. Like they can play, but you've got, still got to be able to get the puck to them. Well, their forward depth's very top heavy. I'm not going to argue that. I agree with you, but I still think it's great. But those those two ten point five million dollar contracts. You know, it's not every year they're going to get Campbell at 1.5 mil. No, so but, well, but they got well, they got to yeah. make hay during yep. this year. Um, yep. Their window, I don't want to say it's closing, but it's closing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's the the you can't predict the future totally. It, but it's gonna. There's gonna have to be some deals here that Stan Bowman makes to to 
pry that window open a little bit more. Okay, that, so that'll is, be this... clever because the lad trade was unnecessary. You lost yep. Marco Dano, who you traded Saad for. I mean, I know Anisimov came with that, but like it, trading Toivonen, that ain't good because you fucked up another contract. They screwed up the Bickle contract. Yep. And it cost them a young, controlled asset that was good, contributed. Sorry. Like, the Saad trade was fine. I thought it was fine for Chicago. But then they paid for a rental that did nothing for them, and they were bounced in the first round. Now they, now they don't have half of why that deal was okay. Yeah, that's a good point. They, I, they're I, I, doing what Shero did towards the tail end of his tenure where he paid for the now very significantly and left the cupboard kind of like, Oh, <laughs> there's nothing back there. Okay. But, so, they, but you, the Campbell thing does really push them in a great direction this year that they weren't there two weeks ago. I think I thought that they were at risk of missing the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying I, they would have missed the playoffs, but I think they were at risk of missing. Yeah, well, they're the not playoffs. at risk down. Not with unless Campbell goes down. Like... Well, you can't predict injuries, but right now Campbell coming to them, I feel very confident that they'll be a very good team. Yeah, I'm. I'm all. That's how highly that. I think of him. So if you know at how least you get, in 2016, you, people, 17. you know how you always hear people talk about um, the windows closing for this group of players or that group of players, and. Um, you could see from Pittsburgh that the window is actually not closing because of Sid and Gino. They're going to be great for a long time. And Joe Thornton proves that point. So for me, it's not going to be Patrick Kane. It's not going to be Jonathan Taves. It's not going to be Duncan Keith that closed the window. Which of these contracts do you think is going to close the window for Chicago? Um, it'll be Seabrook. Do you think it could be Crawford? No, I think they'll move Crawford. Seabrook can't be moved. I shouldn't say can't be moved. Christ, Shea Weber just got moved. Rob Skidari got moved. Um, <laughs> yeah. To so that team, like, though. To that team. Yeah. So you, you get you, you know what I'm asking, right? So it's not it's not the Patrick Kane and the and the and the Jonathan Tage contracts that's the problem. It's the overpaying for the other players that's going to be the problem. So Seabrook's full of no movement clauses, and Crawford's full of no movement clauses as well. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. No trade clauses, right? So you get there with it, and it's like, are they going to be the contracts that screw them over, or is Stan Bowman or whoever ends up being the general manager in two or three years can weave some magic and actually move some players? Because when's when's the next when's the end of this particular CBA? Do you know off the top of your head? Maybe 18, 19, I, I honestly don't Yeah, know. okay. So we've got a couple more years left in this particular environment before things could change a lot. So, well, that's why Stamkos' contract was brilliant. Because the year before, the lockout will go into effect in, I think, September or August. And he gets, he gets paid, paid or like seven and a half mil on July 1 every year. So it's yeah. like, that's why that contract was was so yeah. good for, for individually for Steve. So I suppose if you're a general, I suppose if you look at that way, if you're a general manager, just think to then, just think to that part because things could change from that point on and anything signed beyond that won't matter. So 
Was there? I I have a few that I still think are good. What what are go some for of it. your other good ones? Did you have? No no no. You... Go for it. Um, PK Subban trade was terrible, but underneath the, that mess, I, I think signing Alex Radulov is very good. It's a risk I would be willing to take. I have a question about this. Keep going. Five point seven five mil for one year. Uh, he's very gifted, kind of a, you know, they they, they say bad locker room presence potentially, um, but you know they thought PK Subban was a bad locker room presence. So what 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 the hell do they know about it? All right, so that's that's the point that I wanted to make is one year five point whatever mil for a person that has a history of being exactly what you just got rid of. Are they thinking that Shea Weber can... No, they, it is not exactly what they just got rid of. What they just got rid of was an excellent human being that did, went above and beyond for the Montreal community, and they were pissed off because he didn't do it in the name of the Montreal Canadiens and did it under the P.K. Subban brand. So, no, it is not the same. Radulov is not donating $8 to $10 million to a children's hospital. <laughs> No. So, I'm just saying. No, no, no. You're you're exactly right. It's not the same. Now, Shea Weber couldn't keep Radulov in check in Nashville. How the hell is he going to do it in Montreal? Define keeping in check because I've well, been in so many hockey locker rooms, and I'm going to be completely honest. I've played with people I did not care for. Like, I, I would not hang out with them outside of the – Hockey, like I wouldn't be like, hey, what are you, what are you doing? You want to, you going out? You going out here? Whatever. It just would the contact would cease past the that, the ice yeah. rink. Same here. And it's like, it never, never once impacted my ability to work with them on the ice. Like, I, I feel like it's the same in the NHL. You may not like people, but you show up to work and everybody's like, if they're good. People don't Who care. cares? No, no. This is kind. Of, this is kind of my point, right? Like Weber was captain in Nashville, and Regulov was there, and and couldn't get it to work, right? He couldn't get there and go. All right, dude, come on. We don't care what you do off the ice. Just make sure you're ready to play and you're good to go when you're here, right? That's really all you ever ask as a teammate is that I don't care what you do, how you go about your life outside of outside of what we do but when we turn up to training you train hard um and when we get on the when we get on the ground or the ice to play we play hard together then you can go and do whatever you want again just make sure you're prepared and ready to go now radulov couldn't seem to get that together with weber there as, as far as i can garner from the the jibs and jabs you get through through the internet and the rumors and all that sort of garbage that you have to try and piece together what's just being racist what's actually true all those sorts of things it's like I can't see how having those two guys in the same locker room together is going to actually work. I like the signing, though. I agree. I, everything you said about the actual signing itself is right. I get that. The process of Montreal doing it, though, is the bit that I don't understand. No, are you trading out Subban for these supposed things that... Yeah, well, there's the it, the Subban trade will go down as the worst trade of the cap era, maybe. Probably unless I'm forgetting like in a, totally another absurd one. Oh, Brandon Sutter for Nick Benino? No, come on. 
<laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Yeah, I get it. But... Garage League, guys, drink. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so I thought um, well, I was going to go to uh, a Florida signing. We'll say Florida for the very end. Um, I thought Eric Stahl's deal in Minnesota was very good. It seems as though they've signed him for the expectation of what he'll do, which is all you ever sort of wanted for, well, one for Stahl and, and, and two for the team. He didn't want a team to overpay for him and then put him in a situation where he was always going to underperform. You've at least put him in a situation where if he breaks even, you're going to be pretty happy. I think he is, um, it's kind of a Chris Kunitz thing going on right now. Yeah, you've mentioned still, that in a couple of articles. I think you're right. Still driving possession. Offense isn't, and mind you, Eric Stahl was a legitimate star in the league. Yeah, I know. Uh, but his offense production has clearly fallen off. But he's still driving play, and at three point five million, lots of uh, potential for success in Minnesota. I think, ideally. Well, I guess Minnesota's not stocked with uh, awesome centers, right? Well, you've got Coyle, Granlin, and Koivu. And Koivu should be a number two, really. Yeah. Um, but Stahl could, can, can go to the wing if, if need be. And um, 3.5 mil for three years, I, I like it a lot. I think a lot of teams uh, will look back and say, why didn't we do that? for him and it only takes him through until what 35 at the most just depending on when his birthday is do you know what i mean so it's not i think your fear my my biggest fear was someone would sign into five or a six year deal and you know have him go through to that 37 38 years of age and that was always going to be a disaster for whoever signed that thing for me is that there's uh there are no no movement no trade clauses in, in amongst that deal so if it goes pear-shaped and and they need to ship him at a deadline or, or something like that, then it's possible. So no complaints on that stall. Good. good no, no, Minnesota. no. Cause we were all, you, we were both, we both thought he might be the one or one of the players that, that just gets an egregious contract and great for him for getting it, but bad for the team that did it. So good work from the management staff there in, in mini to, to not overpay. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could benefit from that, but, um, you know, good on Minnesota. Um, another one that I liked was uh, David Perron for two years in St. Louis. Oh, all the way back to the start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pittsburgh wasn't quite the fit for him when they decided we're going to go fast. But yeah. he was really good um, in Anaheim. I thought he was good in that. I, I thought he was good in every stop. I know he had the lull at the end of Pittsburgh, but he played really well under Mike Johnston that first year when they actually had puck-moving defensemen. He was good when he came there. Yeah. 2014-15. Uh, he, was, he was not great 2015-16 for them, but... 3.5 mil, I think he has a ton of skill. I think St. Louis is a lot like Anaheim. 
that will maximize his uh, strengths, playing down low, kind of grinding things out. Uh, not so much transition and and full speed ahead. So I think he's very skilled. 3.5 million to me is is extremely fair, and it's two years, so the term's great too. So uh, well done, St. Louis. Their um, their roster is interesting now because. Stats is their bona fide number one. You've got Laterra, Berglund, Fabry, and Brodziak. And so, uh, Sabatka coming back. So, so he's going to keep hearing that he is and he is and he is and he isn't. So I'm fairly just, certain he is. Yeah, I just I never know. So I never know with Ty Ratty either. He supposedly was a, ready, but isn't. But yeah, so. It's not a bad roster to jump onto. It'll be interesting to see whether they sort out their... I don't know. This roster's in flux because of the coach, as far as I'm concerned. There's so many really offensive, like, brilliantly offensive pieces that could explode if given the chance. But until, you know, and until the new coach takes over the next year, I just don't think that's going to happen this year. Maybe not, but I, I still think that's it's not a bad signing. Oh, no, it's a great signing. Um, moving to the next person, uh, Jason Demers. That was really good for, uh, for Florida. thought Florida did some nice things. Losing Campbell was not ideal. Uh, maybe the Yandel contract is another one of those where maybe the, the back and is a little bit dicey, but I think people like Yandel, their skill set translates better with age than some of the other players we talked about. Yeah. And then uh, following that up with uh, Jason Demers, who I thought was the best right-handed defenseman on the market, and to get him at 4.5 mil, his underlying numbers in Dallas were, were pretty great. He's only 28 as well. So... They've got no one signed. They've got three defensemen signed past next year. Like they've got Yandel, Demers, and and Ekblad. Everybody else is like UFA or RFA. Don't get Pizik signed. And by the way, nice trade by Florida to get uh, Pizik. So it'll be interesting to see how this all sort of. This, also signed this, Reimer long term. I don't know how to, yeah, uh, what to think. I, about I was going to ask you about that because I, I was just looking at the contracts there, and I've gone. Roberto Luongo's is the contract to infinity, right? So it, it doesn't ever seem to end. And then you've got James Reimer for was it four years, five years, and you, you sit there with it, and it's like. I like James you, Reimer. I so I, do um, I. But... I don't know. I guess. I guess. Their goaltending has no question marks for a long time. Now, you could argue that that 4.5 mil that Luongo's being paid may become, you look at it like, oh boy, I wish that wasn't there. But I think that position, they have it locked up for under 10 million. And it should be solid for the next six, seven years. Or five Five to six, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't have a great read on that signing. Um, 
do they plan on buying Luongo out, uh, trading Reimer at some point? Uh, right? Or I I'll put don't it, have a good, I'll, great read on that one. I will put it to you this way. In theory, out of the 82 games that these two are going to play between each other, they should go close to getting 60 quality starts from their goalies because very rarely do these guys put in a stinker. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're going to get a quality start from the back end. So you're not going to have those nights where you've got your your backup in and the team plays great, um, but the other guy gives a quality start and your goalie gives you a, a stinker. So I suppose running a tandem at, what is it, 7.9 per this year for the cap, it isn't that bad when you consider what Dallas have in net for theirs. Um, that's only it's a little like a bit more. It's a $6 million goalie and a $2 million backup. Not super ideal, but. No, but I mean, you look at. I mean, they're only paying slightly more than what Pittsburgh are at the moment. Yep. For what they've got in a situation that they don't want to have. Paying less than Dallas. Yeah, that, that, that's that's sort of what I mean. So, yeah, you can get there and go, it, it's it's not ideal. I mean, they've got Reto Berra on the books as well. I suppose I can't really ignore that. But well, you can because his his contract's one year. Um, yeah, but it's one Florida's, year. Florida's Florida's roster is pretty much set, and they still have three point seven million in cap space. So it's it, it's a real yeah. That's issue. a good point. That's a good point. So yeah, I mean, it's it's you just you look at it, and it, this team, as far as I can tell from everything that I've read, has been taken over by uh, spreadsheets. So it will be interesting to see how it all comes together and moves forward. Yeah, um, as somebody who does, you know, a little bit of analytical writing, I think love love seeing Florida commit to it, and uh, you know, I look forward to seeing where where the Panthers go with it. I think there they'll be a great case study for kind of this mindset, and I think. Uh, I don't know, it might not win them a cup, but I think they'll be very, very competitive. Uh, if I were a Panthers fan, I'd be really happy with where the franchise is right now. I'd like to see the difference between these guys and the Arizona Coyotes because Florida have started this process with a few more pieces in place, whereas Arizona the fancy have got... cats are hiring everybody like Toronto. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like, so this is the thing. Like, It's like they've changed course. Like, they were... They were doing it a particular way, and then all of a sudden they said, no, nah, screw this, let's rip this up, and we'll do it with the numbers, right? So, Well, they had some people that were there for, for a good amount of time, and new owners came in, and they were probably like, well, you know, uh, I'm looking at this sample size here and wondering why, why wasn't it successful, and I think they ultimately came to the conclusion of, well... Why, why stay with that? Let's let's go in this direction. Let's see where this takes us because that other direction was, you know, it didn't bear any fruit. And that's, that's the thing. It's like Arizona have jumped on this this boat as well. And the thing for me with this is that Arizona are starting from a lower base and it will be interesting to see what they do with some of their expiring contracts coming up and, and, and moving forward with the way they look at trying to fill those second and third tier players to contracts that are reasonable. Um, I I do think that 
fans in Florida in general have a lot to be happy about between those two teams. Uh, very much so. Tampa and Florida are the probably the cream of that division. Maybe, uh, well, Buffalo and Toronto have potential to join them in a few years. Boston will drop off. Montreal will drop off. Ottawa is a mess, like you said. Who else is in that division? Good question. I can't think off the top of my head. Oh, Detroit's going to drop off. Yeah, but we say that every year, and they never fall off. They're, 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 they're going to. They did. They, they barely scraped into the playoffs the last they made two years. It. See, this is the thing. That whole playoff record, nobody wants to be responsible for the team that doesn't make it. So they don't think long-term. Well, it's the term. same guy. No, I know, but it's, it's – it's, well, he doesn't think long-term anymore. He is literally just thinking year to year, got to make it, got to make it, got to make it. He's been kind of screwed on some retirements. Well, well Lindstrom could have kept playing and done well. The Rafalski was a Rafalski was the one where it was like, oh my god, what? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Datsuk too. So there's been a, three players that left them before they needed to really, like they could have continued to play at a high level, right? Yeah, 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 you're on the money there. But they've spent like shit. And I think that... Abdocator. They got very unlucky with Franzen. Franzen at four mil would have been awesome. Yeah. But the concussions have kind of taken over there. Helm, close to four mil. They're paying these middle six wingers. Top line. More than they have to. Yeah, and that's and 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 that's the thing. You, you I, every team will have different ways of working out. You know, how much do we pay? How much do we pay per goal or per point or whatever, whatever? But there are certain players that are definitely for Detroit that are definitely getting overpaid for what they produce on the ice. Uh, Zetterberg, looking at this. He's um he's 35. He's going to be 36 right when the season begins. Care to guess how many years he has left on his contract? Five. Okay, that's a great guess. Thank you, because that's exactly what it was. It was a guess. Five years Basically, at six mil. He's already 35. Yeah, 41. Um, this is the thing. It's like the host of contract as well. Like at some point... At some point, that's going to have to bite the player himself on the ass because of the just the longevity required to get value out of the tail end of that deal. I'm okay with kind of the Hosa one. They got three cups out of it. He's going to continue to play well for for most of it, in my opinion. So he's so good, Marion Hosa, though, isn't he? Yeah. Somebody asked me on the, my um, mailbag the other day, who were my uh, if 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 cap was not an issue, who would who would my wingers be for for Crosby and Malkin and Crosby's right winger? I I picked Marion Hosa and his left winger. I picked Jamie Ben. I like that line, and I had uh, Kane, Patrick, with uh, Tarasenko with Malkin. It's it's funny, you know. 
two of those players will you'll get Ben probably playing with Crosby and you'll probably get Tarasenko playing with Malkin at the World Cup. Maybe. But Hosa and Crosby is a known commodity. That was awesome it for, was. for the short blip that it was. Um, they didn't say, the, the person that asked me, how long this had to last for. <laughs> but right, like, even now, maybe Hosa's a, a stretch because of his age, but like, he's so... Hosin his prime is so perfectly tailored for Crosby or anybody really, but like a player like Crosby can really be elevated because he's playing with somebody. And usually it's Crosby elevating the other person, but I think there's mutual elevation between Hosa and Crosby. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. So. Because you're not um, asking Crosby to do everything to make the other player better. Hosa does a hell of a lot of that stuff. Ah, he's so good. Damn, he's so good. <laughs> um, is there anything that we've left out? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think there's anyone else that, that sort of sticks out. I mean, Vancouver's Vancouver. Um, I'm just looking through the list of teams. Actually, the Bodica signing for San Jose. Yeah. Now I don't, I, I don't understand why these people don't read the stuff that you write. I don't because know. it's pretty clear that I don't even write it from my basement. <laughs> That's your problem. You're not writing it from the right location. I don't get why you would sign somebody that is quite clearly accruing points from the power play why a team that has such a dominant number one power play unit and actually an already really good second power play that barely gets on the ice would sign him for the amount that they did in the length. I think he, um, on the surface, flashes some some good puck skills, but uh, they don't translate to driving possession, even relatively, uh, and it doesn't usually lead to even strength offense. I think a lot of his damage is on the power play. And if we're being honest, San Jose, why would you change anything with that power play? You wouldn't. That's that's the thing that's got me absolutely baffled. Unless Patrick Marlowe is actually going to go. Like, him and Thornton are both last year their contracts. Um, I don't think Wilson will sign both of them. In fact, I think they both might walk. Um... And if, if that's the case, and those two boys have already got control over what happens, it'll be a UFA thing. They'll just leave at the end of the year. Pretty much. So then you've signed Bodica to try and replace Marlow over the next three years after this one coming. We'll see. I don't understand that general manager. Still other... No, no, have no. Missed, no. Have we missed a major sign? Other than me missing Hedman, have we missed a, <laughs> ma- a major signing? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it comes down to what you consider. Well, we'll find out on Twitter if we have. This is a very good point, actually. Uh, uh, so let me know. Let me know what I've missed here. Uh, and also clarify what you deem to be major when you do go and tell us that we've missed one. Victor Hedman would 
classify as missing a major signing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Missing Ben Lovejoy, which I didn't, would not qualify. No, that's true. I'm literally just going through the list on General Fanager now, and the only sort of namey sort of a thing would be like Vinny Trocek got signed, um, and that's about it. Markstrom got signed. I'm just looking at names, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Vanek went to Detroit. Yeah, we I, I, we've not we've not missed anything that I would okay. consider egregious. We'll see All what right. everyone else says. Well, I guess that will do. Please, um, please visit patreon.com slash hockey hurts to support the podcast. Um, it's up to you to decide how much you would donate, if at all, to the podcast. Uh, as little as $1 a month. Uh, Walshy66, Gunner Stahl, both on Twitter, uh, hockeyhurts.com, hockey underscore hurts on Twitter. Is there anything else I'm missing? Nope. See you next week. All right.